This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello, Bechdel cast listeners. Yeah, it's us. And, and we are bringing you a live show that we recorded. Wow. I think that was a very pragmatic intro to the episode. <laughs> Here is our .mp3 that we recorded in front of a bunch of people. Now we're, this is the very, very beginning of our most recent tour. Started at home mm-hmm. base in Los Angeles at the Elysian Theater. Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it? Of either? <laughs> and we wanted to start with a fun, popular requested episode with a fun, popularly requested guest. And so that's why we covered a goofy movie with fan favorite, our favorite, Danny Fernandez. That's true. So for the next hour or so, you'll hear that show that we recorded live. And then you'll hear a conversation we had with another special guest, Laron Redis, where we talk about more goofy movie things. So that's all in store for you. Wow. What a treat. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a little bit on stage, a little bit off stage, and there's more tour episodes to come. We're going to be kind of sprinkling them in. Mm. And so, again, if you're at this show or if you are at any of our tour shows, thank you for coming. Yes. We had such a great time doing this, and we're going to be doing more uh, at a day and on a date. At a time, at a, at a place. Any day now. <laughs> so, could happen at any moment. <laughs> We could be. <laughs> when you least expect it. What if we started doing living room shows? That is like, <gasps> I like that in theory, but I, we actually will never do, I would not do one. <laughs> no, that does not sound like a great idea for us. With all due respect, I don't want to come over. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this is, here's a theater show. Um, yes. <laughs> enjoy. The Bechdel cast. Uh, welcome to the Bechtel cast. Thank you so much for coming, everybody. Can I be honest? I really thought you were going to start with like a really like light, sexy, a uh, yuck. 
you mean? And then like, you'd be like, babe? Oh, yeah. Yuck. <laughs> no, you know that that exists in cartoon porn. You know it does. Yeah. Oh my God, a yuck? Like. <laughs> I promise that's the first time I've ever thought that. <laughs> Too early in the show. Okay, welcome to the Bechtel cast. We should say our name. Yes, I'm Caitlin Durante. Mm-hmm. I'm Jamie Loftus. And, and this is our podcast uh, about uh, your favorite movies. Yeah, we just were on a, a road trip for like two weeks to get to L.A. And now we're here. Yeah, I was... Drive. I kind of actually, you were bothered by how Goofy drives, and I don't have a driver's license, and I'm like, what's the problem? <laughs> Seems like he gets to where he's going. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be an issue. I've failed the driver's test three times. He, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your support. I'll never learn. <laughs> I think... I think he killed at least two construction workers. He drove into They're... an active construction site. I... He, <laughs> And the opportunity was there for him to kill a cop. <laughs> and he didn't. And that is, and that's, di- that's a Disney issue. Is, yeah. D- they're obsessed with cops. It's just, there were so many opportunities to kill a cop, but instead they killed a mime. The, yeah. The purest art form. <laughs> well, this is the Bechtel cast. Uh, <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, give it up if you've been to one of our live shows before. Oh, wow. wow, give it up. This is your first live show. Wow. Wow. Pretty exciting. This is so exciting. Yeah, um, yeah so I guess you probably don't know that we either do weird cosplay or <laughs> that, for example, I gave Jamie a lap dance on this very stage for the Magic Mike live show we did. Oh. I was hoping you wouldn't say the movie and then I would get to be like, and it's weird because we were covering Cinderella. <laughs> They just kind of started doing it, and we rolled yeah. with it. <clears throat> no, so anyway, I am. Uh, I do feel the need to call attention to the fact that I am cosplaying as Max Goof yes. at this time. Yes, yes. And Jamie, I'm, don't what yeah, did you and do? I'm wearing a T-shirt with the movie poster, which is not no effort. Thank you very much. <laughs> I went out of my way to order this one day ago. <laughs> So no, we're doing great. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> look, we're fighting. <laughs> um, no, it seems like you wanted me to compliment your outfit, so I was going to. <laughs> it looks really good, and also you, you pointed this out before we drove here. Uh, before you, dr- I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> Caitlin drove here, and uh, that you bought a sweatshirt and defaced it so yeah. that you could be Max Goof. I think you should keep wearing it like that. It yeah. worked for him. That's true. He got the girl of his dreams. You know, oh. the girl with no personality. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll Poor get there. Roxanne. And I know that yeah. that's, I know, shots fired already and people are upset with me and they're right to be. Um, Real quick, who has seen a Goofy movie? Is there I, anyone who hasn't seen it? One person. That was the great. The few, the proud. <laughs> you, 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 what? How did you, it's like 70 minutes long. <laughs> it's on Disney Plus. What are you talking about? Look, it's, it's fine. We, it's, um, it's a beautiful and uncomplicated text. 
my recap. Oh, yes. yes the yes. famous recap. Yes. Um, Which we're about to do, but first we have to bring out our guest. Yes. Oh, we're so excited to uh, bring this guest back. We have had her on many times. Um, and I believe this is like the fourth, fourth time. This is the fourth time. Approaching the five appearance letterman jacket. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, she's a writer and actress. Uh, she was a writer for Girls on the Bus for HBO Max and Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy for DC Comics. It's Danny Fernandez. Hello. Hi. Hi, friends. Oh my God, this is awkward. I'm way too short. Holy shit. <laughs> I do not touch the ground. Wow. <laughs> Must be this tall to ride. Okay. Okay, so for the one person in the audience who has not seen a Goofy movie, uh, could you take Brave. us through your outfit? Oh, um, oh no, this is just 90s. This is literally not in the film. <laughs> it, it feels Powerline adjacent. It oh, feels like Powerline yeah. could have worn it. Yes, and I have my dare for all us millennials. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't do drugs, kids. It worked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, number four? It's number yeah. four. Okay, damn. We did it. I'm so connected to this movie. It like really brings a tear to my eye that y'all thought of me. Oh my gosh. We're so happy to have you. Yeah. I've Tell only... us your history, your relationship um, with it. I watched it like every single day, the VHS, when I was little. Someone said aw. <laughs> <laughs> Um, watched it like every single day. I dressed up as Roxanne like twice. And then for a goofy movie, the 25th anniversary, which was at El Capitan. Did anyone go to that, by the way? Okay, never mind. No one. Uh, <laughs> wow. Our audience just told them themselves hardcore. <laughs> um, I knew that everyone was going to be dressing up as Roxanne. So I actually went as Lisa. Mm -hmm. So she's Ooh. the one that's like, Who's that guy? <laughs> the hot blonde. Yeah, yeah. And I won uh, the costume contest for her because no nobody else was her. So very there well you done. Go. Did, did fans of the movie know exactly? Oh, who oh you hell were? yeah, oh, yeah. That's pick that's my thing. Is pick the obscure. If you're going to the 25th anniversary of a movie, mm. like Jurassic Park or something, like pick uh, the Titanic most, is about to come out for pick its the 25th. Most, you have to be the couple that's holding each other. Kevin, <laughs> we would be Jamie, so good. You and me. I would really just gonna be spooning, be... <laughs> hopping around. And your clothes are just damp. Like, <laughs> we would have to bring a third person to keep spraying us like a bad cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do it. You know everyone's going to be Jack and Rose, so you have to do exactly. it. Exactly. You'll win the costume contest, yeah. I promise. Or I could be the propeller and you could be the guy that hits it. <laughs> I could just keep sneaking up on you and pow, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, and then I'll spin around and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really respectful to the victims of the Titanic. <laughs> so this was a, a big movie of your childhood. Yes, yes, I was obsessed. Nice. Jamie, what about you? Um, I worked backwards. I, I saw an extremely goofy movie. Mm. Yeah. Give it up for extremely so, goofy. I, I, I missed a goofy movie. I started on turbo mode. <laughs> I started with an extremely goofy movie. I really liked an extremely goofy movie, but I was like, an extremely in comparison to what? You know? Sure. 
And I also rewatched an extremely goofy movie because that I had a stronger nostalgic attachment to where I always think, I was like, oh, that's the one where Goofy follows Max to college because of a lot of complicated societal reasons, but also because of Goofy's boundary issues. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was deep into the extremely expanded universe. Hilarious. And so I had to work my way backwards. And so that's why I think I have like less of an attachment to Roxanne because they act as if she has died in an extremely goofy movie. It's not canon to me. Really? I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised. Everyone is, I mean, like there are several key characters who disappear. But yeah, I I saw extremely as we in the community call it. And just like, and, and we've been talking, I feel like Caitlin and I joke about that all the time where it's like the sequel to Doubt would be an extremely doubtful movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It works for almost any really sad movie and it's almost always funny. <laughs> uh, um, an extremely crashed movie. Like it, it keeps... <laughs> it keeps working. But... I, I, so I saw a, a Goofy movie second, and it is by far the stronger movie. It is, like, really, really good. Someone just choked on their the, own saliva. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. You said the sequel is better? No, no, no. No, the original is better. Okay, okay. No. She's right, people. Yeah. No, a Goofy movie, like, from a story perspective and what it has to say is way better. I'm still more attached to an extremely Goofy movie especially rewatching it because it on on the rewatch for people who go back and watch an extremely goofy movie which you should if you ha- it's like 3 minutes long you can watch it <laughs> um, but i think it was fun because it's mainly it's it is father son stuff in the way that this first movie is but it's also clear that disney has just purchased espn and they really want to advertise the x games oh my god and that's most of the that's why it's extremely goofy is because they're skateboarding oh yeah. extremely x games okay yeah. i understand espn extremely uh-huh disney uh-huh. merger is yeah do you know that goofy is the only one canonically who's had sex like that's kind of <laughs> Mickey can't prove it. He doesn't have offspring. Whoa. Donald, those are his nephews. Oh, wait. Is there, like, not a short where, like, Mickey gets a vasectomy or something? (laughs) He's... Goofy is the only one... I mean, it's very upsetting, but Goofy is the only one that has had sex. So... That we can prove. And... and, But could Max have been adopted? Wow. (laughs) Wow. You know, there's a whole... I'm on read it way too much. There's a whole <laughs> thing about Goofy and Clarabelle, the cow, oh, which is inner special. See, you know, I saw you shaking your head. You also were on that thread. Um, yeah, so there was a whole thing about is Clarabelle a dog or a cow? What is her history? And could she be Max's mom? What? <laughs> so Who's Clarabelle? Sorry. Okay. I know she's a cow who's like a, you. Imagine a cow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm there. And but like goofified, and she's okay. like in the original, the old like 1950s Disney stuff. Okay. I think she might have had something around her neck. I don't know what like yeah. feed. Is that what she would have had? Um, a cowbell. Cow wow. Cow thank you. <laughs> Anyways, 
In my universe, that is Max's mom, but she gave him up because she just wanted a different life. I see. I will say, there has been... I mean, I guess this is true of all cartoons that people have since... You know, fans have since gone through puberty. Um, (laughs) But when I was looking for shirts to wear, I wish I had thought to get a shirt sooner because had I had six more days, I could have had a T-shirt with... Max spanking Roxanne. Okay, yep, yep. Yes. to be clear, she's loving it. It's <laughs> very consensual. It's very, they're very, I don't, I Wait. mean, I'm assuming they're very in love. I don't, you can only <laughs> spank someone you're in love with. Did you find this shirt and it just wouldn't have arrived in time? Or was this something yes. you would design? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I contacted all these, like, screen printers and they were just like, they called the police. <laughs> there is that, that famous meme, the bitch you live like this. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's them. Yes. That's our favorite couple. Okay. They're kind of like, they're, they're very iconic for a character that is all but killed off for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> it's really wild. Uh, Caitlin, what's your history with a goofy movie? I had not seen it before. I really feel like... <laughs> I only knew about a goofy movie and from my extremely tweets. from your <laughs> from tweets, all my tweets and from the bit that we have done on the show where yeah. we say oh the sequel to spotlight uh, spotlight an extremely <laughs> spotlighty movie but then I was like we make this joke so often and we're probably going to cover one if not both of the movies so I will I'll take it upon myself to watch a Goofy movie, which I did like maybe six months ago for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then that's really it. And extremely <laughs> women talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps, it just keeps delivering. I love it. It makes me laugh every time, especially if it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I had, I have no real attachment to a Goofy Did movie. Did you like it? Like the first time you watched it? Um, look. I don't like how this is starting. I find Goofy, the character, and his antics irritating. Literally, literally, Caitlin and I rewatched this together right before we came here, and every time Caitlin was like, why is he doing that? I'm like, look at his ID. His name is Goofy Goof. He's doing goofy goof things because his name is Goofy Goof. <laughs> yes. How smart could the guy be? That doesn't mean I need to <laughs> like it. <laughs> oh my gosh, never in my life. I honestly, as I got older, like being a teenager, yeah, I was like, Goofy's obnoxious as hell. But as I got older, I'm like, this is just a dad who wants to hang out with his son. Well, that is true. I appreciate that. He just wants to be a part of it. You're but right. then when Goofy starts driving, Caitlin goes nuclear. He is <laughs> endangering like, is everyone on the road. <laughs> so it's it's a nice movie. Uh, sh- He's, oh my gosh. I will say, okay, so there are a few. This movie is a spinoff of, did you ever watch Goof Troop? I didn't. I did, yeah. Okay. I, did, I wasn't aware. Clearly I've watched the entire universe. <laughs> like It's <laughs> very important to me. You won the costume contest at El Capitan. For I mean, Lisa. That's huge. (laughs) So this is a spinoff. For those who don't know, this 
movie is technically a spinoff of an afternoon cartoon with some of the same characters um, called Goof Troop. And I was not aware of that, but there's like some precedent Mm -hmm. for what's going on. I'm sorry. I just thought of this, but I have to point out Pete is also a cat. I just. That bothers me. Because they. Dog, cat. No, they're fr- like they're alliant. No, actually, they they hate each other, so that makes sense. Never mind. Well, I was more thinking the fact that they have like the, the suggestion of the animal on top, and then just like a human face <laughs> was more that what bothered me about them was that I was like, how would I know this is anything at all? Like as I was watching, I was like, okay, I understand. Like you know, Goofy's a dog, mm-hmm. but then as time goes on you kind of forget that he's a dog. He's just kind of like, you're like, oh, what a weird looking guy, you know? (laughs) But then when you're put in a world full of goofies, they look less and less like dogs all the time. Like the Polly Shore character, what is that? (laughs) What am I looking at? Is that a naked mole rat? Like, and then also listening to the Polly Shore character after having seen Polly Shore's Pinocchio. Yes. (laughs) Father! Father, I just want to be on my own. <laughs> Did anyone else Clearly see Pinocchio a true it. story or is it just us? Okay. F- not not yet, yet, but you're okay. gonna, right? Exactly. This is a great advertisement for our Patreon. <laughs> we watched an... Ex- I, I actually would call the uh, Polly Shore Pinocchio an extremely <laughs> Pinocchio movie. <laughs> Because it's really not about Pinocchio. Polly Short is a bad job, and Napoleon Dynamite plays the horse. Okay. <laughs> and you say, oh, the horse in Pinocchio? Not a character that exists <laughs> in the world. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Well, anyway, should uh, I recap the movie? Yes. Caitlin's okay. famous recap. Here we go. Max Goof has a dream about his crush, Roxanne. Wet or dry? It's a wet dream. Wow. It is. <laughs> it's wild that this children's movie opens on the main character having a wet dream. <laughs> that ends on like a Kafka-esque nightmare. It's <laughs> great. Yes, so he's having a dream where he's about to kiss his crush, Roxanne, but then it turns into this nightmare because his teeth and his hands and his feet become humongous and he turns into his dad, Goofy. A yuck? (laughs) (laughs) Max wakes up and his dad, Goofy, comes in and he's being so goofy. (laughs) And then with you, it's like parentheses pejorative. (laughs) Look, a little too. It's goofy not. I don't. <laughs> I don't mind goofy behavior. I myself identify as a goof. Then why are you so upset? I don't like how little self-awareness he has. <laughs> I respect it. I respect you. Okay. So he's being very goofy. And Max is like, Dad, you ruined my cardboard cutout of Powerline. Father. Father. (laughs) I just want to be on my own. (laughs) So Max loves Powerline, the coolest rock star of all time, according to him. And Goofy ruins his, like, cardboard cutout of him. Then Max heads to his last day of school before summer vacation, and there's a song about how he's not going to be a dork or a goof anymore. He's cool, actually, and he's going to talk to Roxanne. But Real incel vibes, I gotta <laughs> say. Y'all were thinking it. They've yes. been laughing since I can remember they're not going to laugh anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Sir? <laughs> that is is the manifesto of someone scary. Uh, Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to talk to Roxanne. But then when the opportunity presents itself for him to do that, he blows it. And he goes, and and then he runs away humiliated. There is a version of this movie where Roxanne's like, yeah, that laugh is really annoying. Sorry. I I would have liked you, but for the yuck. <laughs> but in this version of the story, it makes her excited. She goes, a yuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do that at least three more times today. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, Max gets to school, and he has something planned to get Roxanne to notice him. Which, again, incel vibes. Yeah, very... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the help of his best friend PJ and Bobby, this kid who loves Cheese Whiz. Polly Shore. Voiced by Polly Shore of Pinocchio, Cheese a true whiz. story I fame. I just want to be on my own. <laughs> 
So at the pep assembly, Max performs a song dressed as Powerline to get Roxanne's attention. It goes well at first, and everyone thinks he's so cool, and Roxanne is digging it. But then uh, Wallace Shawn principal puts an end to it. Sorry, I think you mean principal Wallace Shawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, he puts an end to it and reveals that this person is Max Goof, and everyone's like, oh, it's that Goof kid. Ooh. I love shorthand for bullying in <laughs> movies. They're like, oh, yeah, that Goof kid. I'm like, yeah, he looks like all of you guys, a.k.a. Exactly. not really like a dog very much. Literally. Chill out. <laughs> okay, so meanwhile, Goofy is at work. His boss, Pete... Wait, he's he's a like he works at JC Penney. Yes, yes, Sears photo department. Exactly. Can I just okay, in an extremely goofy movie, they don't address why his job has changed, but suddenly he works in a dystopian factory. (laughs) Where they it it's like two years later. (laughs) And he's working in this factory and they're watching him on webcams, and then he gets fired. It's a nightmare for him. I don't know what happened to the photo studio because Pete's still his friend. It's unclear <sighs> what happened. I don't know. Maybe he got fired. I feel like... Are they, are they friends in, in the sequel? They remain friends. Oh. And in quotes. It, I, yeah, I guess Frenemies. it's like... I don't even know. Like Maybe it's just like the sort of like small town vibe where it's like, well, you live nearby, so I have to make this work. <laughs> um but Pete, I guess, like, historically, Pete is a Disney character that's existed longer than Goofy. He's a villain. Yeah. yeah. Since, like, the 1920s. Mm-hmm. He was, like, in the old, like, Walt Disney Alice in Wonderland cartoons, too. He's been around Ooh. forever. He wow. was in A Christmas Carol, Mickey's Christmas Carol. He, he was. was um, Ghost of the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... Y'all are not real Disney fans. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even a Disney adult. <laughs> Well, shame on you all. No, I learned this on Wikipedia. I I say this with authority. I'm like, I learned this on Wikipedia two hours ago. (laughs) But it is true. It is true. Pete's been around. Yeah, Yeah. he's been around. And in this version, he's an antagonist neighbor that might be an emotionally abusive father? Question mark. Also, moms are gone. Again, Disney hates moms. We know that. Yeah, Yeah. we'll we'll unpack that because I I, because I thought the way this movie. Like, it wasn't even dealt with moms. It just, like, the moms didn't come up. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. It was just as if they produced, as if Max just showed up one day. (laughs) Okay, so so Pete is Goofy's boss, and he's also PJ's dad. And he's like, I'm taking PJ camping for the summer because it's a great activity for fathers and sons. Ever heard of them? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This movie's about those guys. Like most movies. And then Pete is also like, and if Max doesn't want to spend time with you, Goofy, that probably means he's in a gang and doing crime. (laughs) So back at school, Max and Roxanne finally chat, and he works up the nerve to ask her to go with him to this girl's party. This girl? Sorry, Stacy? Thank you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Who's dressed as Blossom. She is. Yeah. So she's having a party where she's screening the Powerline concert that's happening in L.A. in a week. Los Angeles, ever heard of it? (laughs) Uh, But Max is in big trouble with a principal 
for this little stunt that he pulled at the pep assembly. Also, as you pointed out, Caitlin, Principal Wallace Shawn has like weapons on his in like on the wall of his office. Yeah, he's got like uh, like a cricket paddle with like spikes to <laughs> to. Principal Wallace Shawn is killing these kids. <laughs> yeah. These dogs or cats, whatever. <laughs> and he calls Goofy and he's like, you better get your son under control before he turns to a life of crime and ends up in the electric chair. This and is, that's a quote. <laughs> that is a quote. He says that. From the flim. Um, so Goofy is now so scared about what might happen to Max that he's like, okay, I have to take him on this fishing camping trip for the summer to Lake Destiny, Idaho. Ever heard of that? I haven't. (laughs) Uh, And so he's like, okay, Max, we're going today. And Max doesn't want to go. It's going to take weeks, and he's going to miss the party with Roxanne. So they set off, but he stops at Roxanne's house to tell her. And she feels very rejected that he can't go to the party with her anymore. And she's like, I guess I'll just go with someone else. So then Max... No one manipulative. Love it. (laughs) See, I was about to be like, no one in this movie can communicate with each other. <laughs> the the one of the tropes that is in this movie that like it's just like yeah, it's nineteen ninety five. It's gonna be there where it's like she's like a preteen girl, and so when her dad comes to the door, he's like, Rawr! like he's, like, <laughs> but he's like a real dog. He's, he's the only. <laughs> he's, he's the, the only dog he's in the this only, movie. He's a real dog. Okay. He really he's literally like he only barks and growls. Who's the guy from uh Mystic River? Is it Sean Penn? Who's who's a horrible person? But like but the guy who's like my daughter, you know, like that's mm. Roxanne's he's like hulking over poor. He's Max. a bulldog. She's a bulldog. I just put that together. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, hang on. This okay, so we're gonna get to a part where they're on the road, on the open road. And there, they pass a car where a woman is driving, and she has several pet cats in the car with yes. her. How it, how are, do those cats exist in this universe? And then also Pete and PJ are cats. Well, there's it, there are no rules when it comes to shaming women for owning cats. It doesn't matter what species they are. If a woman owns a cat, she's pathetic. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So my Roxanne... cat's starving to death at home while I say this. <laughs> okay. So Roxanne <laughs> is like, I'm going to go to the party with someone else. So Max makes up a lie that his dad is taking him to the Powerline concert in LA and that Max will be joining Powerline on stage for the final number. This is. 90s teen canon where if there's a teenage boy character in the 90s he's going to lie for unprompted (laughs) to start the plot like it's just what he's gonna do Mm -hmm. so he has told this lie to Roxanne and then Max and Goofy set off with a map of the route that all the places Goofy went with his dad because there needs to be another father-son dynamic layered into the movie. Is it weird that I wanted to know how and when Goofy's father died? (laughs) (laughs) 
They reference him many times, and then like Max was like, "Oh, I guess you were close with him, huh?" I'm like, "Did he die before you were born? Like, <laughs> when when did Goofy's father die?" I you know, know what's wild? He probably died when he was like 15, like dog years. <laughs> yeah. His dad was like, his dad was like 15 years old. Whoa. That's the problem though. Okay, that was, that was wigging me out for an extremely goofy movie, which came out in 2000, takes place in 2000, and then Goofy's like, when I was in college, in the 70s. And you're like, are you a dog or not? <laughs> what species are you that you're alive? <laughs> and in your 40s. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. I just uh, I I like was Goofy's dad did he die in a dog way did he, or did he die in a person you mean way? Like, oh. What is that? Like hit it, by it, a it, car. <laughs> Goofy probably it killed, killed him with M and M's. No, Goofy <laughs> killed his dad with his driving, his bad bad driving. <laughs> what if Goofy's dad ate too many M and M's and died? <laughs> That's a dog way to die. I wouldn't oh, do that. Of chocolate. I yeah, couldn't do that. There you go. Oh, he like got into someone's advent calendar. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> yuck. Mournful a yuck. A yuck. A yuck. You know he. You know he says that when he's coming. <laughs> Again, oh. canonically, the only Disney character that's had sex. He of our Goof, main five. Goofy fucks. It's true. Okay. Goofy fucks. Um, I mean, well, ask the internet. <laughs> we can't know. True. We can't know. Okay, so they set off on this trip, and Max is very resentful about being there. They fight over what to play on the radio. They sing a song about being on the open road. Mm-hmm. They go to this roadside attraction, Lester's Possum Park. Where Goofy embarrasses Max. Then PJ and his dad, Pete, okay, also we have show to stop up. Because we figured out... So, like, Goofy's name prior to this franchise was, mm-hmm. like, Goofus P. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we can all agree is innovative and <laughs> fat. But in the context of this franchise, it appears to be Goofy Goof. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Pete... According to the Wikipedia page, we learned is named Pete. Pete. <laughs> yes, because PJ is called PJ Pete, which would make him Pete Junior Pete. Yes. <laughs> okay, but this is yeah. not that different for Latino families. I'm sorry, because my abuelo's name is Fernando Fernandez. <laughs> so okay, okay, conceded. <laughs> So, wow, like, Pete is Latino. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) representation matters. It really does. (laughs) Wow. Pete also has, maybe that explains Pete's tail, because I was also, like, losing my mind over Pete's tail. Pete's tail shows up at this sequence of the movie that we're preventing you from recapping. (laughs) Pete has a dog tail. That's not a cat's tail. It's like a little... It could be a little cat's tail. Oh, you're right. No, yeah. What species are they? <laughs> He's a bob, maybe a bobcat. Oh, they, okay. Let's in this go world, with that. can you be half cat, half dog? Like I don't. <laughs> apparently, you could be ha- half dog, half cow. I don't know. <laughs> it's un- the world keeps it ambiguous, and I think for the sake of pornographers everywhere, it should stay that way. <laughs> Perfect. I think that that's good. 
Okay, so PJ, <laughs> PJ Pete and Pete Pete show up. <laughs> they're also camping, but sorry, they're glamping because they, they show up in like this huge no RV. No way he makes that much money working at Sears. Right. 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 He has murdered some people. He's in the mafia. Yeah. Or like, what did Pete's dad do for a living that they have that kind of money? Nepo baby. He's okay. a Nepo. He's a Nepo. <laughs> Okay, so Goofy is like, oh, Pete, I feel like I'm driving Max further away. Maybe I should back off. And Pete is like, no, you have to be a a mean daddy. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That was very sensual. And then Goofy goes, "Uh, You know the fan art is out there, okay? <laughs> oh, of Goofy and Pete, forget yes. it. Oh. In the camper, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so Goofy's trying to be a mean bad daddy now. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, Max, we have to go fishing right now. And he shows Max how to fish. And he keeps talking about the perfect cast. And I'm like, the perfect cast? Is he talking about the Bechtel cast? <laughs> Okay, literally fishing. Uh, <laughs> Goof, Goofy taught me well. My thought was, uh, we're saying a dog knows how to fish? Like, <laughs> but I don't know. You know, like Goofy, he's not competent at many things. And so the fact that he knows how to fish, I saluted him on that. He, well, he d- isn't very good because he accidentally catches Bigfoot. Instead or he's of, great. Oh, well, because no one catches Bigfoot. That's the whole thing. True. I see your point. Okay, so this does happen in the movie. He catches Bigfoot. Bigfoot attacks and traps Goofy and Max in their car all what night. What if Bigfoot is how dogs view humans? Like, what Whoa. if that's the one human in this movie? That's it's, us. A meta- it's Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> <laughs> they caught him. So. He Bigfoot's has, an act- actually a human. Doesn't he the, have fingers and they all have those like little gloves? They yeah. reference I hear that. you're thinking. <laughs> they reference that in an extremely goofy movie when PJ becomes a slam poet. <laughs> He's like, are we always wearing gloves? <laughs> and you're like, wow, PJ really found himself. Oh my God. I just want him to take it off and it's just bones. <laughs> Okay, so the human, so there's humans canonically. That's us. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and this human slash Bigfoot is terrorizing Goofy and Max, and Max starts to realize that Goofy is just trying his best, and Max should go easier on his dad because they love each other, and then also Max considers writing to Roxanne to tell her that he lied, but then he's like, no. He's like, wait, I'm a boy in the 90s. (laughs) I would never tell the truth. (laughs) And then he does find the map. And so while Goofy is sleeping, Max reroutes their trip to L.A. instead of them going to Idaho. And they had the most heartbreaking moment, the high dad soup. High dad soup. High dad. It's really nice. Somebody on Rotten Tomatoes said this movie has no heart. And... I don't know. I could tell really? they were like Gen X or something. 
They did not. That's so wild. It's like, that is like, this movie's all hard. Yeah. That's yeah. so wild. I feel like their ex has to be in it or something. <laughs> Polly Shore's ex gave a scathing <laughs> review to this Courtney movie. Love? <laughs> Really? I don't know. He's oh. dated. I'm sure he's dated everybody. I was like, what? It was the 90s. It's true. Everyone <laughs> okay. dated everybody. Yes. Oh. I lo- yeah. The high dad soup was was that like? I mean, that makes me cry every yeah. time I see it. For those for for you, <laughs> um, yeah. You're googling. You're googling. I was just, oh my god, that's really nice. There, we'll tell you. Um, or who did Danny? Do you want to explain? Oh my gosh, yeah, I'll cry. Okay, so <laughs> he has alphabet soup, and Goofy says, "Oh, you used to write like cute little things to me, like hi, Dad." And then when he and you know this is after they have a big blow up, and so he taps Goofy on the shoulder and he hands him a cup, and inside of it it says, "Hi, Dad," oh, out of the soup. It is cute as shit. I think about it when I need to cry before an audition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And Goofy does this thing in the car because this is a big thing with their communication, which feels almost like a little out of character for Goofy, but whatever. But he he's sort of like, he's like, oh yeah, and then you would say, I love, oh. And like, he like didn't want to prompt his oh. son to say, I love you. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, men are so broken. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they're Goofy. <laughs> That's so upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then Goofy, after this nice high dad soup moment, Goofy's like, you know what, son? You can choose the rest of the stops on the way to Lake Destiny. And then there's this montage where they go to an amusement park, they go to a monster truck rally, there's a baseball game, they go to a cave, they murder a mime. <laughs> And Max and Goofy are getting along way better. Then and, they, and I like that in that sequence, there is like a split. It's like they are coming together in that sequence because they start by just doing things that Max wants to do. Mm-hmm. But then Max realizes that Goofy is not having as much fun going to monster truck rallies because he's a fucking square. <laughs> and oh and so then Max is like, let's kill a mime. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the things Goofy wants to do is see, he just wants to see a mime, but then he doesn't seem upset when the mime dies. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but like, I, I thought it was, that that was like a really, because this movie is like truly two minutes long. And, <laughs> yeah. and the ways that they save time, but still like effectively build the relationship is like, oh, they start by just doing things that Max <laughs> wants to do, but by the end, they are... You know, kill billing Goofy's enemies. I love that this movie keeps getting progressively shorter and you keep looking, like, literally, this movie's 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I blinked, it was over, but I was crying. <laughs> um, okay, so what happens next? They link up with PJ and Pete again. Pete overhears Max tell PJ that he changed the map to take them to LA. And so Pete, because he's a narc, tells, <laughs> tells Goofy about this. Goofy sees the map, and he is so sad that Max would deceive Goofy like that. But Max keeps navigating them to L.A., and Goofy is still really upset. They have this big fight. As their car is careening down a hill, they end up in the river. They were, like, saving time like wild in this movie because the the climactic 
action scene is also the climactic resolution between father and son <laughs> where they're screaming over this like VW that's crashing and they're like, but you didn't listen to me effectively at school. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. And so they make up finally and Goofy's like, oh, I understand that you're growing up, but I just want to be a part of your life. And Max is like, oh, dad, maybe I take your love and affection for granted. And then he tells Goofy about Roxanne. Off screen, which sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then Goofy's like, well, shit, let's get to the Powerline concert. (laughs) Because we have to maintain this lie that you told. Good dad. <laughs> Which, to be fair, yeah, that is the greatest mm-hmm. gift a parent can give their lying child. <laughs> Has have have either of your like have your parents ever helped you maintain a lie before like that? Um. Okay. No. I feel like my mom kept it a lie that I wasn't a virgin. Probably. <laughs> that's my a, dad. that's a sign- yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Cool. There we go. There it is. They also found this. Is, oh my gosh. This is so two thousands. They found uh, my mom. I think found a Smirnoff Ice that <laughs> we had. Uh, okay. Probably just one. Isn't that sad that we probably like cycled between the four of us uh, in their glove compartment. And um, she also kept that from my father, so. That's powerful. But he kept that he had multiple other kids, so. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) You know, who was really good at secrets? (laughs) Learned from the best. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, Caitlin's overriding the question. Uh, all right, we cut to a... Oh, okay. So Goofy's like, oh, fuck, we got to get to this concert. And But first they have to escape from a waterfall. And yeah. they save each other with fishing lines via the perfect cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bechtel cast, once again. They, um, st- they start streaming our <laughs> Armageddon episode. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they They're know saved. what to do. Yeah, and it's a very tender moment. Cut to, they have snuck backstage at the Powerline concert in LA. Roxanne is watching the concert on TV. Everyone's like, where is Max? And then he shows up on stage. Max, Goofy, and Powerline. Wait, they also killed another person. <laughs> Wait, we would guy, yes, the crew guy that was just trying to do his job, which he probably got paid like minimum wage, mm. and has a family, he flew into... <laughs> The television. He at least was hospitalized. Mm. Well, I will say at least Teamsters are usually unionized, but he did die. (laughs) And when that happened in Phantom of the Opera, it was a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how much health insurance you have when you're dead. Um, (laughs) When you get killed by Goofy. Um, But also everyone cheered. (laughs) (laughs) He had it coming. (laughs) Okay, so Powerline is totally fine that these two strangers are on stage with him now. And they're all doing a dance, and it's awesome. And the people watching on TV are loving it, and everyone's having a great time. Well, they all have Max's friends back at home. So, like, Roxanne does that thing, the one face that she makes, where she's like, oh, yuck. You know, like, (laughs) she's doing that little face she does. And then, 
And, and then Polly Shore goes, that's my friend, or like whatever he <laughs> says. But I love, that's like one of my favorite moments in the movie when like, because that's like your dream when you're a kid to like do something and then have your friends be like, they were cool actually. <laughs> and have someone make the little face at you. Like that's the best. I love that part. Yeah, that's yeah. very nice. Okay, I have to say at this point, my theory that I think that Powerline and Goofy are related. Because when Goofy gets on there, Max says, do the perfect cast. His dad starts to do the perfect cast. And then Powerline, seeing it, jumps in and finishes it with him. How does he know the super secret Goofy family recipe? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All these dogs are related. If that's true... Powerline is a terrible relative for letting Goofy work at that factory in an extremely goofy movie. And also just not hooking them up with concert tickets. <laughs> yes. There I don't think they know they're related. It's like my oh. dad's kids and I. <laughs> okay. People have literally argued with me about this. Like, no, he's just a quick learner. Like, he just he just saw what Goofy was doing, and then he. I was like, no, he literally finishes the the cast with him. It's true. Unless he like uploaded it to YouTube or something. But or, uh, uh, alternate theory. Um, you know how some animals just have instincts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how geese just know to fly south for the winter. What if all dogs know how to do the perfect cast instinctively? Okay. Whoa. Like Like all dogs that are whatever the breed that is like a dog top of head, but a human (laughs) bottom of head. Like Goofy and Powerline. (laughs) And also the cats for some reason. Mm -hmm. I know nobody asked for this, but I really want a live action version of this movie. (laughs) Stay with me. And it's Jim Carrey's Grinch. Like that makeup. (laughs) That would actually be great, Thank but shave, shave you. it off. That's brilliant. Okay, so, so the only thing is, just like, don't give it to Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. cannot give it okay. to him. But yeah, you could give that to Ron Howard. He's done it before. <laughs> he did Jim Carrey Grinch. Not to bring up Shrek, but no, bring up Shrek. Thank Do you. It. I will. Um, has Jeffrey anyone... Katzenberg factors into this movie? Tr- yeah, a true. live action Shrek. Well. Did you? Did anyone see the like AI rendering of like what Shrek would look like if it was a, like a 1980s fantasy live action movie? Yes, this is some good. Ooh, we're we're getting images. more nods than I was expecting. <laughs> That's we've really cultivated a toxic fan base. Here. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, we need to move on. Okay, All yes. right. They, they're dancing at the concert. Everything's great. Then we cut to Max and Goofy arriving back home. Max goes to Roxanne. He confesses that he lied, that he didn't ever actually know Powerline. And she's like, why did you lie to me? I would have liked you no matter what. And he's like, okay, do you want to hang out? And she's like, yeah. And then... <laughs> and then I forgot to keep writing the recap, so I forget <laughs> if But it that's... ends kind of abruptly there. It you does, may have right? finished. Okay. Yeah. Goofy blows up. Yes. That His car explodes. He does. And that's kind of the end of the, everyone makes up and everyone has a great relationship. The they end. don't even do that. Like Goofy blows up, lands in Roxanne's house, and oh, then her Max roof. goes, babe, this is my poppy. And like, that's it. 
And then it's like, or whatever, however that movie ends. Um, all right, so that's that's the movie. Give Hell it yeah. up for a goofy movie. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Well, where do we want to start talking about this? I mean, Danny, what, what stands out to you right away? Who do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Ooh, I love Max's style. I was so... I had Thank the you. Biggest. <laughs> That's how I knew I was bi, though. I was like, I had the biggest... Cr- they purposely made them hot. <laughs> <laughs> that Lisa girl has tits. I mean, a lot of the dog girls have I'm tits. T- <laughs> And in an extremely goofy movie, Max goes to college, and then every dog girl has, like, tits. It's like... Oh, you know who else you could be? The goth girls on the bus. Yeah! I really loved them. They're not like the other girls. They're goth. No, they're listening to the the goofy cure. They, like... (laughs) They pierced each other's ears. Uh They're listening to bright, goofy eyes. They're having a lot of fun. No, but his style, clearly he was, like, modeled after JTT. Yes. Like, that was the 1995, like... Yeah, I mean, that totally... Like, I, I, I think it's so bizarre that, like, when a character exists for this long, eventually they become relatable in a very, like, generational sense. Mm. It's so bizarre that Goofy was able to become... Yeah. A boomer dad. Like, it's <laughs> so... But it, there is... I feel like it was, like, best illustrated in the, like, a very, like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, an obvious way, but, like, when they're switching the radio back and forth, and it's like, oh, it's, like, 
Bill Clinton kid and JFK guy. <laughs> like are all he's literally turning on high hopes that like JFK ran with that song and he's like, What about this? <laughs> and then he's like, No, I like, you know, a good economy and a bunch of fucked up stuff, you know? <laughs> Max is Gen X and we have to sort of grapple True. with that. You mm. know? Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. He, he was, was listening like, like Van Halen in there. He's 15 in 1995. You know, it's like he's he's like kind of, you no, know. No, he was like seven. Remember? In what? dog years? <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh. Well, yeah, canonically, Max is dead. So <laughs> I well, need okay. to worry Max about it, Max is like on the cusp of Gen X and Max was born millennial. last year. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Max is, I mean, either way, it's a non-issue. He, he just died. started opening his eyes. <laughs> Max died. So if he was 15 in dog years, he was alive for less than, for like a little over two years, which means he would have been born in 1993. So we're like, Max and I are actually around <laughs> the same age, except he, he died a long time ago. Because <laughs> then he would have died latest 2008. We can't do math. Well, when was the last yeah. time they made a Goofy movie? Not past 2008. Because <laughs> Max died. <laughs> of old days. <laughs> Should we talk about how this is a story about fathers and sons? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good story about fathers and sons. I, I don't mind it. It's a nice one. I wrote that in. I said, but a nice one in my notes. Um... <laughs> Where, because I mean, the characters have to learn and grow in order to be able to understand each other and like maintain and strengthen their relationship, which is usually not what father son narratives are about. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. You have like Goofy, he needs to learn to accept that his son is growing up, he needs to learn to respect his boundaries and learn the best approach to parenting Max, and then Max. I don't know, he just like needs to stop being a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I feel like I do I do like that um I feel like a lot of the traits that Goofy has in this movie are normally attributed to mothers. And like that he's like overbearing. He like is really emotional in the way that he he deals with his mm -hmm. son. And it's like not it it that just is like who he is. And I think it's like I don't know, I thought it was like a really like smart decision on the part of I guess also the writers of like Goof Troop who established this so shout out the writers of Goof Troop <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of this movie but because it like it 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 works really well with a character that is supposed to be kind of all over the place to make them like a very emotionally driven parent mm -hmm. who who doesn't quite get it but like really really cares because I feel like fathers are really often characterized because of society reasons <laughs> as, <laughs> as being very like distant and cold mm -hmm. and unkind and it's like Goofy is not even a great dad really but he is a bad dad from a oh way that we don't usually see he's like really <laughs> emotionally bad <laughs> it's like the Goku of the <laughs> Disney universe yes <laughs> Yeah, they're like feelings. in the 90s, they always had the dumb dad trope, you know, like uh -huh. home improvement and the Simpsons and Family Guy. And like, but he actually is doing the two parent role. He's both yeah. Lois and Peter. Yes. That's wild. Wow. He's stupid and he's overbearing. Right. 
I love it. Okay. And it, like, and he is like, I mean, even at the beginning, he's like doing chores. Like he does like maintain their house. The he's way he's wearing his towel seen. as though he has titties. <laughs> Covering them up. Well, Don't all dogs towel have, He has like six nipples. Well, probably eight. Uh, and that's just dog facts with Caitlin. Thank eight. you. Could be six, could be eight. You know, depends on the dog. Hard to say. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what species Goofy is because he's just scary looking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's both characters needing to learn how to communicate their feelings in a productive way. And that's not the story for male characters usually yeah so. and, and and instead of like this movie doesn't really have a clear-cut villain i feel like pete because like you're saying danny like pete has a history of being sort of a villain but like it it's more just like there's two sets of fathers and sons fucking it up in different ways and goofy and max figure it out and pj is just fucked i suppose i know like Poor he's just going to have to like go on, you right. know, SSRIs like the rest of us. <laughs> Do they have like, Bless I don't him. know who you would call, like the SPCA or something. <laughs> <laughs> I called the SPCA on myself. <laughs> but I mean, what we do know from the sequel that he gets really into poetry, which actually does make sense for him. Mm-hmm. Um, is he get, what, everyone was like, mm-hmm. well... <laughs> As if that made we, sense. We all have trauma that. to unpack, and we've all done it via poetry. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I, I do like that in the absence of a clear-cut villain, we have like two very different kinds of like unhealthy father-son dynamics, and then we see Goofy and Max figure it out and like create a healthier dynamic and meet in the middle, and Goofy is able like to, in spite of the fact, according to Caitlin, being too damn goofy... <laughs> he is able to by observing how Pete treats PJ, which is a very like domineering. Like there's a scene where Goofy and Pete are in a hot tub. If you were there, you were there. <laughs> they the were fan art. They were <laughs> in certain fan arts. More happened <laughs> in the movie. It was you know like Pete is like you know you're you want your son to like you i want my son to respect me which are like two you know different toxic approaches to parenting (laughs) but but i think like goofy learns sort of in that moment that it's like oh being a domineering parent isn't going to achieve a healthy relationship with my son which is what i want so i have to try something different and then also max is a fucking liar so it's complicated He can't stop lying. Max. Well, hey, you get single dad representation. I'm That's starting nice. to think they must raise their kids like seahorses. Because <laughs> there's not that. a single mom. The women, mu- even Roxanne. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you go yeah. to her house, her dad, like, I'm starting to think they have a pouch. <laughs> and the women just leave at 18. The just... way those dogs come out looking, I would not disbelieve anything. <laughs> I was like, are they coming out of eggs? Like, yes. what is happening yes. with these damn animals? I don't know. Something Whoa. happened between the Pluto to Goofy line and they've, 
What? It was something. Something went very, they're very wrong. They're past birthing them. Yeah, they're doing something else. <laughs> I, I did. I mean, it's like that is like kind of a double-edged sword, and it's again, it's like a binary double-edged sword too. But it's like what because at this same time, this movie comes out in '95, which is like squarely in the middle of the Disney Renaissance, or I guess towards the end. And you have this series of mostly princess protagonists who rarely have a mother. It's always addressed in a vague, impactful way. Usually, like, your mother would have, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, who, where is she at? We don't know. <laughs> she ate too many M&Ms and she died. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to all the Disney moms. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but and and but like even though it is such a Disney trope that the mother is presumably dead, it, like it, it's always this looming bizarre thing over the story. But in this movie, you're totally right, Dan. Like they they it it's like they never were because Goofy talks about his father, and that's kind of it. And and what happens is that means that there's like no women in the story. Which is like, well, it, I don't love that. But then, but how did Roxanne get there? How did Roxanne show up? How did any of them? How, what? <laughs> you say that Goofy has had sex. <laughs> but we've talked about the fan art, okay? okay. <laughs> I don't know. Now I think, like, I don't know, they like take us out back or something. And then, like, after, right. you know, we're obsolete. Yeah. I mean, that was sort of, I guess there were, Caitlin and I, no, we can't go there. <laughs> Do dogs put other dogs down? I, <laughs> I had a lot of, I had a lot of, I was like, what happens to the women dogs? <laughs> like, what happens? Because there are a few of them. Yeah. There's like, for instance, the, the Wallace Shawn's secretary has lived, but it's like, is it like fucking Nuremberg? Like, what did she have to do to survive? Right. Wow. There are so few this is women like, don't dogs. Worry, darling. I'm the <laughs> There's not a lot of women who appear to survive to adulthood, no. I will say. The, movie, the unsolved mysteries the, that we need. The movie All Dogs Go to Heaven is a sequel to a goofy movie. <gasps> Or, oh. or maybe we're oversimplifying it by being like, oh, like women are inherently good. We're goof, you know, like Goofy's wife is in hell. <laughs> she was. I she just realized what it is. One, one of those women can have like six puppies. So it's kind of like y'all know in the Lion King. I know, mind blowing. <laughs> you know in the Lion King how Mufasa is actually Simba and Nala's dad. And we know that, yeah, because that's how prides work. Yeah. There's only one male yeah. in the pride, mm -hmm. so all those little kids are actually all of his siblings. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the same with this. So Roxanne and yeah, so the mom actually oh. had six puppies, wow. and then she just bailed. Yeah, as so, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> So that does so that would mean so if Goofy is everyone's dad. What? No wait. <laughs> no, what one I know that doesn't make sense twist. either. Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait. If Goofy if, wait, are you saying I'm getting confused? Is Goofy I'm Mufasa? She's It works. <laughs> it's Goofy wait. Mufasa. <laughs> No, She's at a puppy <laughs> mill. Like, that's what's happening. 
it only works when she's there's had several litters. They all oh the oh okay, and then they killed there's her. There's just one of them. There's just one mom for no. the whole universe. I'm gonna have a panic attack. Oh my god. Okay, so there, but there's no so. Max and Roxanne related wire end. Okay, <laughs> probably. Okay. It but makes sense. <laughs> Someone's really <laughs> upset. I'm so goofy as the Mufasa. <laughs> I, know. I was like, did Goofy have sex with everybody? Yeah, no, you know who <laughs> told me that? My sixth grade science teacher. Yeah, she oh. got up in front of our class and was like, actually, Simba and Nala are related. What? Yeah, it she had an accent. And now we're going to learn day. about periods. <laughs> yeah, she did. She was wow. divorced. <laughs> I love, I, it's like, if you're a teacher and like, okay, teachers with, my whole family is here, teachers that teach between 6th and 10th grade, you gotta have yeah. an ax to grind or you're not gonna find like the thrill yeah. to continue. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta say something really yeah. fucked up every year. How can I unnerve these little fuckers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something unhinged. Yeah, exactly. It was. She was like Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's something he would say. Amongst other things. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, should we talk about Roxanne? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why was she so hot in the beginning? <laughs> oh, because he's having a nocturnal emission. Um, <laughs> okay, that's, that was what me and Caitlin's uh, yeah. cover band. Is, <laughs> is Goofy neutered? Oh, <laughs> Okay, we. I do, um. So he couldn't. So wait, that whole that totally undermines the Mufasa thing. Is no, he. You know, after he had a few litters, after he uh, hooked <laughs> a time or two. Wow. So anyway, Roxanne. <laughs> As it really, so she's in the story because she was the love interest of Max, uh, and then there are basically no other women in there, like female characters in the movie. Uh, there's Stacy. There's Stacy. Sure, but she could be kind of taken out of the movie, and not much would change. But we love that she's there, of course. As far as like the romance goes between, <laughs> we already stated that. The whole story is built on a lie that Max told, which yeah. he maintains and which Goofy helps him <laughs> maintain. But then he does come clean at the very end and he says, Roxanne, I lied to you. And she gets upset with him, calls him out, says like, why did you lie to me? You did not need to do that. I would have liked you no matter what. But then she says, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She Ray. literally does. <clears throat> she does. And he does not apologize. He admits to lying, but not. he doesn't really apologize for it. And then he does surprise kiss her at the end. Yes. He definitely surprises kisses her. The, the way that the apologies are dealt with in the movie, I thought were bizarre because it was like, no one explicitly says, I'm sorry, but it felt, it did feel like apologies were given. Mm. I don't know. Like, in the scene where there's a long scene where Goofy and Max are at sea on their car that's broken, <laughs> they don't seem that worried about where they're going. At one point, the car heads into a cave, and they're like, we should duck. <laughs> it was like, you don't know what's in this cave. That's mm -hmm. really scary. But it's a movie. so fine. <laughs> but they, like, 
it's it's bizarre because they they seem to like emotionally hash things out and be honest with each other. The words "I'm sorry" or "I apologize" aren't spoken, but it felt like that was achieved. I don't know. Like I guess it like I I it made me like sort of wonder like well especially in a movie that came out in 1995, I felt like it was a pretty decent apology for someone who didn't say, I am sorry. True. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The whole time you were talking, I just was thinking of Goofy slipping him a rubber. <laughs> like, I'm just, you were like, you were Danny. like, <laughs> what? You said, oh yeah, the son, like he helped his son like carry out the lie and I could just see him like, here you go, kid. Wow. You know, like, be safe. Goofy, <laughs> does love safety except for when he's driving um oh my god <laughs> my dog has never apologized to me so i don't know if it's in their vocabulary that's right yeah like maybe they have we also never saw them sniff a single butt so it's what are they <laughs> goofy's been alive for a hundred years it's because i think every time goofy kills he gets the remainder <laughs> That's why he can't, that's why he's like, oh, I can't drive, you know? <laughs> he's killing people all the time. He's killing different dogs all the time so he can tuck everlasting them, you know, oh. absorb their shit. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like Roxanne, I, the thing is, the, the scenes where we get, like a little glimpse into who Roxanne is. I really like her. Like she's a really, really sweet and likable character. Mm -hmm. The scene with her and Max, when they're like awkwardly kind of tripping over each other in this very like teenage way. I I thought that scene was really sweet. I just like wish you got more of it, I guess. It's like Mm. you get to know that like she does clearly have a crush on Max and has for a while. She's really excited to go to this party with him. Mm -hmm. We see her talk to Stacy a little bit and like you get these glimpses into like a fun teen character but then she just disappears for an hour because the movie is about fathers and sons yeah and that's what happens all the time like i feel like there was room in the movie because it's only one second long (laughs) (laughs) like blinking you miss it but like there was room in the this very short movie to like cut back to what was happening. Is at she home. just like hooking up with that hot varsity player? <laughs> yeah, like I I, I I like the glimpses we get of Roxanne, but I feel like we more often see her in Max's fantasies than we actually see her in real life, mm-hmm. um, which is a bummer because like when you see her being a like a I, I don't know what to call her a dog. Question mark. I don't know. What is she? <laughs> She's a dog, right? She's I, a dog. cat. I need to see the inside of her house. I just Ooh. like, we never get to see it. We always just see like a peek with her dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's framed in there? <laughs> I And also, have she and her family had their picture taken by Goofy at JCPenney? <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, I don't know. Like... With, with Roxanne, I really like her, but I feel like there's just like, I just wish there was more of her. And it makes, and it's like a bummer because it makes it really easy to extremely goofy kill her off in the second movie um, because I feel like you didn't get enough of her. Because all like Polly Shore and PJ come back in the second movie and they're big players. PJ gets into slam poetry. Polly Shore, he kind of stays the same. <laughs> 
But they're they're both there, but Roxanne is gone. It's a bummer. Um okay. Since we're wine we're running out of time. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Let's uh you know figure out I, I does this movie pass the Bechtel test? I, I don't think so. No. <laughs> it's actually a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> It definitely doesn't. Um, but, 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 but. Um, I would be curious. And then we'll give our ratings. Uh, Dan, I know you have to get going, Danny. So um, you're familiar with our nipple scale. Um, you know, one to five nipples based on how well it sort of fares in terms of uh, intersectional feminism. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, on a scale of one to five nipples, oh, what, no. what would you be giving a, a goofy movie, do you think? I feel like I have to give it like eight nipples. Is mm-hmm. that how many you said yeah. they have? Eight nipples? Yeah. Often, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, often. <laughs> I don't know how you, how do you know that? I haven't looked at my dog's nipples, but well, I will. Going around the second I get Molly. home. The second I get home, I'm going to yes. count them. <laughs> and please actually let us know. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you'll give it eight nipples, the mm-hmm. movie? You know what? The I like the diversity. <laughs> Which yeah, we d- well, we did we ran out of time to talk about it. We'll record a pickup or something. We will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. it's like this movie has been like lauded for its diversity, which is <laughs> complicated, but it's truly like a very true thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, should we give our nipple scales or do we we have well, to Well, I mean, day you Denny. have to go, right? You okay. got to go All right. to the show. So Okay, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah oh my god, give it up for our guest Danny Fernandez. She's amazing. Okay, so that's where we are going to transition out of the live show because so after this we pretended that Danny had to leave for another show, but then she came back out and we all did karaoke. We sang Stand Out. Danny really like pulled some moves out. We have we'll post pictures of it when oh, we yeah. release the episode. Yeah, but but it doesn't really unfortunately translate to the audio medium. It would just be us using uh audio that's illegal to use Correct. on the show. But shouts out to Juliet and Gianna who came on stage with us yes. and sang Champions. And I believe it was them who won Danny's prize when she did a trivia question also something that didn't translate well to the audio medium so you won't hear that in the show but <laughs> but we but yeah i mean it was it's uh we i love when audience members come on stage it's so exciting it's fun um, but because it's a live show and there's a limited amount of time and kind of a looser atmosphere we didn't have time to touch on everything that we wanted to mm-hmm. and so that is uh where this next segment comes in that's right and so we want to introduce he is the creator and host of the YouTube channel, Redis 101. It's Laron Redis. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're stoked to have you. We're uh, huge fans of your work and specifically your work on this exact subject. It was truly fortuitous. <laughs> oh, man. I really, you think that me doing this for so long that that I'd get used to people saying that I'm a big fan of your work. I'm never used to hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's simply the truth. Yeah, and, and we, as I mean, like in particular for, for this episode, we're, we're huge fans of your, um, it's from last year, I believe, right? Your uh, video essay about how uh, a goofy movie connected with black millennials specifically. Yes, yes. I released 
to February of last year, specifically for Black History Month. The video was, I was planning on releasing it like years ago and started working on it, work on it years ago, but I never, mental things uh, in my own head. Mm. But then last year I was like, you know what? I'm releasing this video. <laughs> The time has Hell come. Yeah. The yes. people need it. <laughs> Pretty much. We specifically need it. <laughs> there, you explained this beautifully in, in the video as well, but for our listeners, could you give us a little uh, insight into your connection to a Goofy movie? When did you first see it, and how did your connection to it kind of change over the years? Oh, sure. I saw a Goofy movie years ago during my during my childhood, uh, early elementary school, I think leaving fifth grade, mm -hmm. because... Uh, as everybody else, I assume, even though I didn't necessarily have the Disney Channel, I was aware of Goof Troop, and I knew, I knew the correlation between a Goofy movie and Goof Troop because Max was in it and was a bit older. He had a deeper voice, so I immediately was able to to tell that oh, this takes place in the future. So I wonder if Pete and PJ are in it, uh, things like that, and watched it in theaters when I was young. Of course, it wasn't necessarily one of the biggest things that Disney promoted. I can't remember what other animated feature came out around that time, but it was definitely a Pocahontas versus Lion King type thing right. that came to a goofy mm -hmm. movie. It was like, yes, it was it was one of the Disney films that was released this year, but they were probably busy promoting something else because it was like, oh, we put all our money in this one, and it was just like, we released that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it, it, but it clearly it became a cult classic um, among not just not just like black millennials, but just like millennials in general from different walks of life. Like yeah. once I released the video, of course I received multitudes of individuals uh, who had the same background as I did uh, comment and let me and let me know that they also felt the same way but also like white millennials Hispanic uh, Latino uh, millennials from different backgrounds and everything like that just letting me know that a lot of the things that I related to it as I got older so did they mm. nice so I want to go through the reasons that and and I watched a few video essays on this exact topic and a number of people cited certain specific reasons why it why this movie resonated with them in particular mm -hmm. as far as like how this movie connected with their black experience the reasons that you cite in your video essay perhaps the most obvious and superficial reason being that powerline who is a dark-skinned goof yes. character yes. being inspired by real-life black pop stars, namely Prince, Michael Jackson, and Bobby Brown. Yes. But then there's also a number of other kind of like socioeconomic cultural reasons, mm -hmm. um, such as the way that Max tries to impress Roxanne at the beginning, that being kind of like a power fantasy for a lot of black kids attending underfunded schools yes. because of redlining mm -hmm. and, you know, those kids not having access to the elaborate way that Max puts on this big show to impress Roxanne. It becomes this like escapist fantasy. Exactly. I didn't know schools in general had AV clubs until, right. <laughs> oh, God damn. I think I only learned that AV clubs existed when I got older and watched Stranger Things for the first time. I had, oh, wow, I had yeah. a similar, I thought that AV clubs only existed on TV and yeah. which sucks because <laughs> I was like, I think I would get along with these 
these kids. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. Which was because yeah. we definitely, I definitely had like clubs in in like high school and college. A lot of my very good friends I met my freshman year of high school in my anime club. Um, nice. But never really experienced an AV club. The closest thing we got to was like qualifying to like say the morning announcements if that was a if 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 they didn't like have somebody already doing that but uh yeah. mm-hmm. and then whatever performing arts i i we would have to either audition within or go elsewhere if mm-hmm. there wasn't any in the school or the school wasn't providing enough i would have to seek it out like there were a lot of other extracurricular activities that I would have to now define that have been funded outside of like this public school system and everything like that. So it's just like seeing how easily accessible Max, PJ, and uh, I can never remember his name. Uh, Cheese Whiz Kid? Polly Shore. Yeah. yeah. Polly Shore. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the character's name. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, look, he was only introduced in the movie. It's like, I don't know him from Real Truth. It's like, I kind of have more familiarity with him once an extremely goofy movie came out, but that's about it. <laughs> they did they did plunge the depths of the Polly Shore character for some yeah, reason. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, it's like you only ever saw, like seeing that having access and how they planned everything, the only piece of equipment I was able to relate to was the television on the cart because that was how you knew that we weren't doing anything but watching a movie in school (laughs) in class that day and i was like and the way they elaborately set up the the situation at at the p at the pa meeting it was just like man you can do this and then as i as just like doing research and everything what what really started me down that road was being introduced to how redlining was uh was handled initially and i was initially introduced when i first watched uh the original Candyman movie because they explained the cabrini green Mm -hmm. situation between uh helen lyle's condos versus the cabrini green apartment and how they were both created and they were able Mm -hmm. to pass her building off as condos because it was on the other side of the bridge and that's how i learned about redlining and researching that and then wow. also seeing how it affected the public school system, especially here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. One of the examples that I made is like, and depending on some suburban schools, they don't necessarily have to raise funds in order to have their scholastic book fair, but we had to sell Little Caesars cookie dough in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I've, I've definitely been to the majority of my elementary schools were pretty much down the street and around the corner. The prestigious schools in the city of Detroit, which are Cass Technical High School, where I graduated from, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Luther King Jr. High School, and Renaissance High School, the big three, uh, you had to test in or audition in through the arts. And of course, there is Detroit School of Fine and Performing Arts, which is in Midtown, um, mm-hmm. where you also had, clearly had to audition there because it's a performing arts school. Everything else was like would have to be considered, you know, not as not as I'm not going to say they weren't also like pretty pretty much in the same boat, despite despite me looking out and being in one of the the big three, um, mm-hmm. and just just experiencing that. So I, I I know I know individuals who didn't go to the those high schools and went to other ones around. Like I think Cooley, I think we had our we have our own had our own Cooley High as well. Mm-hmm. Experiencing that and then seeing how it related to a goofy movie and seeing mm-hmm. how people saw 
what Max was willing to do and everything like that. Not to mention the fact that it's one of the only pieces of media, which is something I also say in my video essay, that has been successfully written by a Gen Xer that has allowed millennials yes. to relate to it. Mm -hmm. One of the writers for Bill and Ted, the Bill and Ted trilogy, helped write a goofy movie, and I thought it was very mm -hmm. well done. I thought he, I'm, I, I thought he really did his homework as far as like taking what he experienced as a Gen Xer seeing how it applies to millennials and making it more and making it relatable to that target demographic as opposed to just recycling his own experiences and hoping that there's mm -hmm. something to latch on to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of the many great segments, I, that was one that honestly I had not really considered because I knew his history, but I wasn't super familiar with Bill and Ted or I just think it's fascinating when and like encouraging when a writer is willing to grow because most yeah. don't seem interested. Mm -hmm. Not like, at all. And then he said like, that is why euphoria. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the ways that this is most obvious as far as the writer being willing to understand the millennial experience is in um, another observation you made about a goofy movie, which is the the differences in the way that Pete raises PJ versus mm -hmm. how Goofy raises Max and how the kind of like quote unquote under the thumb approach to parenting that Pete takes feels very familiar to many black millennial kids whose parents learned this kind of parenting style from a yeah. religious mm -hmm. Christian context plus generational trauma. Yeah, it's very much a passing down of let's just be honest everything resorts back to white supremacy in one way or another mm -hmm. it's generational trauma that started with the slave trade and depending on how one has interpreted religion since then mm -hmm. has allowed it to take heed of how they identify to raise uh, their children mm -hmm. and that's partially the reason why there's kind of like a disconnect between how some black individuals view white individuals raising their children and how the difference is between mm -hmm. those of course we've all heard the we've all heard the jokes about how like you know a black family will watch a white family at a target let their kid run rampant and not do any disciplinary things and be like mm -hmm. oh, that wouldn't be my child um <laughs> we, we've all heard those jokes and sometimes and, and of course we've all have we've all experienced their very white privileged kid being able to like freely curse at their parents call them by their first names and mm -hmm. and have black individuals and, and individuals of color look at that situation and see the blatant disrespect and be like uh, that shit wouldn't happen to me though <laughs> it's just like <laughs> at the same time we also tend to look at individuals in slightly healthier relationships with their with the parents and their child have that type of like respect that also promotes like mutual friendship with between the parent and the child mm -hmm. and also see that as just as foreign and it's mostly because we've never experienced that and because we've seen how they aren't willing like because of how they were raised they were aren't willing to give 
that same amount of respect because they don't they've never known how to do that like mm-hmm. I, one of the biggest one of the biggest jokes within the black community uh within black regarding black millennials and you know gen z and everything and er, everyone else younger than boomers uh lately mm-hmm. has been the main way a black parent apologizes to their black child is to ask them what they want to eat <laughs> it's never the best way a black parent apologizes to their black child is to say i'm sorry <laughs> it's doing everything else mm-hmm. the fact that we have at least two to three generations of parents never acknowledging that they were wrong about something or that they were sorry about something or that they should have done things better and that us now that we are at the age being parents are just now making the active decision to actually like break that like line of generational trauma and i mean gen xers have done it before also i wouldn't know my parents my parents are boomers so i have to look at my sisters and see and see how they have decided and even even they mess up as well and they take things out of situation because you have some of those gen xers that they understand the rebellion of of dealing with their boomer parents they still have some aspects about their parents that you know they still hold on to because they're most because of the set in their ways so it's just like exploring that aspect and seeing how that projected with pete and pj and goofy and max mm-hmm. and just seeing how weird it was to see that relationship play out with goofy and max it reminded me of a lot of the foreignality of how some black parents look at not just not just white parents but just parents that have a mutual respect with their children to the point where it's just like they were able to have this relationship Mm -hmm. and of course Mm -hmm. it doesn't really help that uh you have like the the party moms like amy poehler and fucking mean girls to have that type (laughs) of physical representation uh depending on what you're watching but at the same time it it does exist and it it all goes back to the intersectionality aspect that i explained in the video Mm -hmm. i think that was one of the reasons why black millennials seeing the road trip that goofy and max went on was so inspirational because it allowed them to see that it was possible for both parents and children to trust each other and see this in the road that would happen because of how things have played out between the two because of the trust. Because just like I said in the video, none of this would have happened if Goofy just sat down with Max after school and asked what the fuck happened <laughs> instead of just believing the principal and just thinking that uh-huh. he's just a fucking gangbanger. It's just like... <laughs> principal Wallace Shawn really fucked up their family like it was it was bad (laughs) yeah and um that's the the third main observation you make in your video essay is the lack of communication between max and goofy Mm -hmm. feeling very close to home for many black 90s kids because of Mm -hmm. this generational gap between kids and their parents and as you point out in your essay and not to quote your own words back at you but i loved the way you put this so i'm gonna (laughs) quote you sure uh you say despite multiple people being able to relate to this experience this is something that can be 100 percent understood and relatable to black millennials who felt the pressure of growing up being pleasant hardworking, and unthreatening in order to thrive in a world 
that, while still mirrors the one your parents did grow up in, is making strides and getting better in ways to allow yourself your freedom of expression as much as it allows your white counterparts. Mm-hmm. So Sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, did you say that <laughs> already? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's definitely along the lines of... Uh... <laughs> the code the code for that as far as the the, the black lexicon is uh hey sometimes black kids want to do white people shit too <laughs> mm-hmm. and sometimes and i've seen this i've seen this play out a proper example was being raised to believe that not necessarily believe but raised to see because of who your parents are that uh there are just some things that we as African Americans shouldn't really do because of the fact of we see everything going on in the world, we see what our parents dealt with, and we see what we have to deal with now. But at the same time, we also grew up with Power Rangers and we saw the Power Rangers movie and some of us want to fucking skydive and par- and some of our black parents <laughs> is like, why the fuck would you want to skydive? That's some white people <laughs> shit. And it's just like, but they made it look so cool and I was doing it. So there are black people skydiving and it's just like, and it's very much along the lines of like the lack of communication definitely trails back with like, black parenthood and and black children with the children feeling like because the parents are so set in their ways they can't rely on them to talk about anything the closest thing i can come to compare it with is like a queer child who wants to let their parents know that they are queer but doesn't know how they would react if they tell them um and i definitely experienced that i didn't come out to my mom until i was like like 31 Mm -hmm. but the lack of not necessarily like communication the lack of trust and that lack of trust is present because the children have seen how the parents react to everything else in the world see how they react to something that they have done when they were younger, see how they react to their older or younger siblings, see how they react to news outlets. Like one of the reasons why it took me so long to come out to my mom was because the year that I planned to come out to my mom, my sister came out to my mom as bi-curious not to say that will and grace was is right about certain stereotypes but around christmas (laughs) um (laughs) um and it was just like oh if she's doing that then i'm just going to i'm just going to back up here and wait until that cools down and uh maybe and and maybe maybe just wait a bit but yeah So it's like that that lack of trust. And while it's definitely relatable regardless of your ethnicity, um, it's me as a black individual and seeing other black individuals experience that same aspect and then seeing it play out, that lack of communication and that wants to tell your parents about something but not being able to because, you know, don't know how they're going to react was definitely relatable. Mm-hmm. And I and I love that like in this movie specifically, it's I don't know like hopefully parents can get a lot out of it too of just like watching a communication issue be resolved in like a kind of messy but kind of loving way. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully not having to ruin the auto insurance of your car by having it go down <laughs> a fucking waterfall. 
we were ta- we were talking we didn't mention that in the live show but like yeah the car falls down a waterfall and then goofy's like well we gotta get to this damn concert and then cut to the car is pulling up to the concert i'm like well i guess they figured it out <laughs> and then drove all the way back across the country to exactly the east coast somewhere ish and then explode yeah I, I think ohio the map said they started off in. oh okay. okay i couldn't tell <laughs> I something so fascinating about movies and just storytelling in general is how based on an individual viewer's experience and circumstances that they can watch something and observe and interpret things very differently from how someone else of a different background would experience and interpret the events of the story or just the relationship dynamics of the story, which speaks to a bigger problem in media, which is just the lack of representation of visibly seeing Black people on screen or visibly seeing any marginalized group on screen because so often marginalized people have to take media that is sort of just like by default or assumed like the the assumed default situation for the characters is that they are cis het white probably middle class Mm able-bodied neurotypical the list goes on and assuming that oh yeah most audiences will be able to relate to that and it leaves marginalized viewers having to follow the crumbs and be like, right. okay, here are the ways that uh, I, I can see myself represented in this media that is clearly not written with them in mind. Right. And I feel, I feel that with a goofy movie, they were able to successfully, I, they, and by they, I mean, African-Americans were able to identify, ideally identify successfully with it, all of these aspects mm-hmm. about it, because, well, subconsciously, of course, mm-hmm. and then of course there's visually a power line. But um, mm-hmm. one thing I f- I failed to mention in my video say that my friend and fellow YouTuber Ed Boley, aka Edig, also uh, noted in his video about exploring what is a goof is that in a way, Goofy and the goof species is pretty much a reclamation, as, as an African American reclamation of like a very like slur of a race because there there was a period where individuals looked at goof as like the stereotypical like post-slavery depiction of an of a free african-american and uh i feel it was subconscious reclamation just like we reclaim the n-word so that's why you have individuals who are all all like you know every goof Pretty much every goof is black. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, once you see that reclamation and then once you apply it to how we as African Americans see ourselves, it's pretty much no brainer. And uh, this aspect was also explored, <laughs> surprisingly enough, in the Atlanta episode. Yes. That yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that that did the mockumentary of the quote unquote first black CEO of Disney that made the Goofy movie, and and that everybody <laughs> immediately just saw my video about him, be like, "Yo, did Donald Glover watch this video while he was writing this script?" I went back and watched that because I, I I I went back and watched that section of the episode to be like, "Wow, this is it's it does." 
I, I feel like someone watched it. To misquote Wallace Shawn, oh, no. it's conceivable. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, they they also they also touched on because that is actually one of the aspects about uh, Goofy as a character, and then that has translated onto the the Goof race in the Disney verse or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the reclamation, we've I've ne- whereas I've seen us uh, reclaim the N word like consciously. It really does feel like uh, claiming Max and the entire like world of Goof Troop as ours feels like a subconscious reclamation of it, considering what the original like translation of of it was as far as like the minstrels like slacker or like the the lazy good for nothing. That's usually like, like picked with black folk after slavery, and I. It, it, so it tracks. It's, it tracks, and I didn't realize until after I until after both I saw Ed Boley's video about exploring that, and then seeing how that was used to like quote unquote explain the the use of Goofy in a Goofy movie in the Atlanta episode. So it's just like you know, mm-hmm. you know, every everything tracks. Absolutely. <laughs> I also saw from the YouTube channel Black Nerd Problems saying that this is the blackest Disney movie of all time, citing how Max is a black nerd, how he was judged and misunderstood by the principal based on his baggy clothes. He cites the casting of Tevin Campbell as Powerline and the performance at the end of the movie. Writer Austin Williams, who wrote a piece in Vice called The Enduring Legacy of Disney's Black Millennial Classic, A Goofy Movie, brings up similar points such as... He also as... brought up the fact that there that Bobby Brown did record music for this and then they just made it B-sides on his next album. And so there yeah. is like <laughs> proof that Tevin Campbell was the correct choice. Because yeah. um, <laughs> you can hear what Bobby Brown recorded and it just doesn't compare. Doesn't quite hit the same way. Um, but yeah, Austin Williams cited the white boy, Bobby, that's the Polly Shore cheese whiz kid um getting in just as much trouble as max but somehow feeling way less worried about his parents finding out the part where the principal calls goofy and says that you know this teenage boy sent his classmates into a quote riotous frenzy dressed as a gang member Mm -hmm. and advising goofy to get a handle on the way he raises his son Mm. um and then Austin also says that anyone who claims Max Goof wasn't an early depiction of hashtag black boy joy is either a liar or a white person. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Why not both? Exactly. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you would like to add to this discussion, Laron? Um, Goofy movie is a classic and... Um, it definitely holds up even now. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my favorite go-tos. Whereas I'm happy that we received an extremely goofy movie and we see a continuation. I'm not going to just say that because it's focusing on complete, something completely different that it doesn't hit the same. Because it depends on your background and everything like that. Like There was definitely an era of my life in which all that was on my television was like, uh, like MTV and network when i first left home for the first time because i wanted to explore a lot of things that you know 
I couldn't necessarily explore in, under the roof of my parents. But at the same time, I always end up going back to the original movie and just being comforted by just like how many aspects about my life are properly displayed in the film. And I know a lot of other people do as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> and now we all start doing the dance. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Also, good on Powerline for allowing... <laughs> For allowing two random strangers on his stage and not having them tackle, <laughs> not having security immediately tackle them, <laughs> really dealt with that so smoothly. He was like, "All right, let's <laughs> let's see what they have to say." I was like, "Wow, what a nice, what a nice guy!" <laughs> Truly, so accommodating to <laughs> Max and Goofy. Goofy did kill that mime, though. We can't forget that he, there. Really <laughs> he did kill. Him. He, you can get away with a lot in New Orleans. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Laron, tell us where our listeners can check out your stuff, follow you online, anything along those lines. Well, I uh, mostly am active on YouTube. I mm-hmm. have my YouTube channel, youtube.com uh, slash Redus101. That's R-E-A-D-U-S, the number one, the number zero, the number one, where mm-hmm. I deal with uh, film and TV analysis surrounding uh queerness blackness social justice i also just launched a new youtube channel called rias 201 where i talk about movie critiques and everything like that where Mm -hmm. i I talk about movie trilogies uh critique on uh, full-fledged reviews on movies and television shows and everything like that um i do written editorials through my sub stack which you can find uh read 101 but everything uh pretty much you can find me on twitter mostly that's where all my links to everything is and that's Mm -hmm. r-e-a-d-u-s underscore the number one the number zero the number one because somebody took Redis 101 straight up and hasn't done anything with it and i've been trying to get that handle ever since (laughs) oh my god there's like despicable yes absolutely (laughs) disgusting behavior Ron, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. Okay, and that's uh, that's the episode. Although we have not yet given our nipple ratings, you and me. We got Jamie. we just got so damn excited <laughs> and. Um, Caitlin, uh, now that we've we've had some time to really cook on this, yeah. What are you? What are you? What are you giving a goofy movie, nineteen ninety five? I'm gonna give it two nipples mm-hmm. because the movie, while it does have a more positive representation of father son relationships, which famously all movies are about, but this movie, as we discussed, has I think a more nuanced and compelling version of this relationship dynamic, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. It does really fail to include women <laughs> uh, in any meaningful way, except for a love interest who is mostly off screen and who Max Goof lies to. Lies to throughout and the, the entire like, story. It's okay. Yeah. Poor Roxanne. Justice for Roxanne. Oh, maybe she's in the sequel. Oh, wait, she's oh, not. Oh, she's not. Oh, wait, she's written out of history. But as we discussed with Laron, this movie having such a huge legacy among black millennials. And yes. like that's something that I also appreciate. So I don't know. Maybe I'll bump it up to a two and a half. I'm going to go two and a half. Okay, I'll do two and a half. And I'll give them two. 
I'll give one to Roxanne. Yeah. I will give one to the woman in the car who is like coded as crazy cat lady. Yes. On the open road montage. She's a legend. She is <laughs> all she's it's like the um Ariana DeBose <laughs> Lady in the car, you are all of us. She is. <laughs> yes. Uh. So uh, I'll give one nipple to her. And I'll give my half nipple to the nice relationship dynamic between Max and Goofy because yes. again, it's it's a better version of that than we generally see. Yeah. So there you go. That's who gets my nipples. I'm going two and a half as well. I think this movie, um, as we've discussed with both guests, have a, has a really unique legacy. Um, and I don't want to, you know, discount that or downplay that. And also I am glad that, you know, over time there are now, you know, there there's uh, more. <laughs> there's just more in general. I think for 1995. More and better. <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, there's better movies than a goofy movie. Be serious. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of representation, I think it's like a really fascinating kind of flashpoint that so many mm-hmm. black millennials saw themselves in this movie. And I also am glad that, um, you know, like young black viewers now have a lot more. Um, they should, they still should have more on top of more, but it's like <laughs> yes, more, more, more. It's a yeah technical term called more, more. Um, <laughs> In terms of we are uh, geniuses. <laughs> in terms of how this, you know, we've talked about it. There's Roxanne is a likable character, and I still really like that scene where she and Max are trying to flirt, and they're just like awkward kids. But that's kind of the most you get out of her. You don't get anything outside of that, and mm-hmm. then she's disappeared in future installments, which is a big old bummer. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to give it two and a half. Interesting legacy a romp and a half sure this is actually a movie about fathers and sons that i'm like you know what we can keep fine we can put it fine (laughs) fine (laughs) fine (laughs) and with that i think that's our um a goofy movie saga has this uh, this episode we've been recording in segments over the course of over a month now months um (laughs) in multiple states i think so Uh here it is a goofy movie saga has come to a close and i feel good about it until until an extremely goofy movie the episode oh my god that mo- that one is going to be so we should do that on the matreon or something because that whole movie is like a weirdly like long promotion for the fact that disney at the time had just purchased espn like it's so weird <laughs> huh anyways till then uh a uh, yuck uh, <laughs> well uh just once again thank you to our guests Danny and Laron. Yes. Thank you to the folks who came out to the live show. So much fun. And if you were like, wait a minute, you sang karaoke on stage? Wait a minute, you did all this like fun trivia games and stuff? Yeah, that's the kind of stuff you'll see at a live show. So if you're ever thinking, should I go to a Bechtelcast live show? They're coming to my city. The answer is yes, because even though you'll hear the episode later, the energy, the activities, everything that happens on stage. The meets, you just the gotta greets, see it. The merch. There's oh. what isn't there. This show <laughs> has everything. Truly, I mean, like every time, uh, I mean, we, we love doing the show. And mm-hmm. I think especially when we get to go on the road and actually 
meet people who listen to the show. It's like mm-hmm. the best experience oh, in the entire world. So wonderful. We hope that if you've come, you've enjoyed as well. And we hear you that we uh, never come to the middle of the country. We are going to. We have plans to. Mm-hmm. Just just please bear with us. We just we get so tired. Um <laughs> And we'll be there. We'll be there soon. We'll be we'll be there when, yeah, when we are get off our fainting couch or whatever it is we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we love you so much, and uh, have a good night, day, morning. I don't know. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.